turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. We're looking forward to sharing with you some of the day's headlines, as well as the lighter side of the news. And then in the second hour today, we'll share the Christian outlook. You'll hear from one of my colleagues, Craig Roberts. He invites Jerry Bauer of Town Hall Finance uh, to... Um, Uh, to talk about the shutdown of conservative conversation and how it's both destructive and lucrative. Victoria Cobb, who's the president of the Family Foundation, joined my colleague Don Crow to talk about the threat to parental rights from the ongoing sexual and moral revolution. And Kevin McCullough, he turns to China expert Gordon Chang to talk about the increased persecution of Christians in China. That's coming up in the second hour of today's program. And by the way, we have a special on Monday, which is the national holiday for the 4th of July, although it is the 5th of July. That'll be in the second hour of um, Monday's program. Taking a look at some of the headlines, Democrats have renewed their call for court packing, blasting the Supreme Court's final two decisions of this term. Well, on Thursday, they expressed their displeasure with the Supreme Court's final decisions, uh, accusing the justices of doing severe damage to the political system and in some cases re-upping their calls to pack the court with liberal justices appointed by President Biden. One decision was on a challenge to Arizona election laws, including a ban on ballot harvesting. Well, the other was uh, about a California law that required nonprofits to disclose their largest donors to the state government for law enforcement purposes. Well, the court upheld the Arizona laws, uh, which liberals saw as voting rights restrictions and conservatives saw as election security measures and struck down the California law on the grounds that it chilled free speech. Well, President Biden weighed in on the Arizona decision in a statement that was remarkably critical of the Supreme Court for a sitting president. I'm deeply disappointed in today's decision, he said. A decision by the United States Supreme Court that undercuts the Voting Rights Act. In a span of just eight years, the court has now done severe damage to two of the most important provisions of the Voting Rights Act of 1965, a law that took years of struggle and strife to secure. Now, that is a gross overstatement of the decision they made. But nonetheless, in this highly unusual uh, announcement from the chief executive, That's what the president said. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, equally upset, said the court's decision in the Arizona case is part of an unprecedented assault on voting rights from the court before using uh, before also tearing into the court over the California case. The decision in America for Prosperity further harms our democracy by allowing the suffocation of the, the airwaves caused by big, dark, special interest money. This torrent of dark money silences the voices of voters and prevents passage of common sense bipartisan and popular legislation from gun violence prevention to climate action to LGBTQ equality. It's fundamentally anti-democratic and it cannot go unanswered. And she, of course, is uh, referring to the fact that the court said uh, disclosing um, information about donors 
uh, is not um, constitutional. In other developments, the Supreme standoff, the nine justices ended their term with unanimity and uncertainty. Meanwhile, Vice President Kamala Harris, she remained silent on a SCOTUS ruling on a lawsuit that started while she was state attorney general. And conservatives laud SCOTUS Arizona voting decision, while Schumer laments one of the court's darkest days. The Supreme Court upheld the Arizona voting fraud protections uh, in that decision. Well, a GOP rep is warning there is no operational control of the border after seeing migrants stream in and uh, board flights. Um, Representative Bob Good, a Republican out of Virginia on Thursday, warned that the U.S. has no operational control of the border after a trip to Texas in which he and a number of other Republicans saw migrants streaming into the U.S. and being put on flights to other states. We have no operational control, no legal control, no law enforcement control of our border, Good said in an interview with Fox News. We're not enforcing our laws. We're not preventing people. This is willful and intentional on the part of this administration to facilitate the illegal entry into our country of tens of thousands, 180,000 of the month, uh, in the month of May, rather, some 700,000 this year, of one of of the ones we've apprehended. Well, Good and a number of other lawmakers from the Republican study group visited McAllen, Texas this week in a visit that coincided with a visit from former President Donald Trump and Texas Governor Greg Abbott. And shortly after the vice president's trip to a, a different area, the 20 Republicans went to the border itself around midnight and Good described a stream of migrants coming through and turning themselves over to Border Patrol with no effort to evade apprehension, even going so far as to seek out Border Patrol. We saw hundreds coming through in just a short time. We were there about midnight and just saw many, many folks coming across the border, many illegals streaming across, he said. He said that while there were many families and children showing up, it raised the question of how many are getting past Border Patrol who have frequently faced a significant surge in migrants coming past them and have also apprehended MS-13 gang members and child sex offenders trying to get into the U.S., In other developments, Sean Hannity points out that Biden told migrants to surge the border and results have been uh, have been rather catastrophic. The Border Patrol says illegal immigrants burglarized a Texas ranch house, stealing weapons and ammunition. And Representative Banks says of the Trump border visit, humanitarian crisis unlike anything in American history. Gwen Berry vows to compete at the Olympic Games despite mounting pressure after the anthem snub. There's no backing down from Gwen Berry, even as the criticism poured in this week over her decision to turn her back on the podium while the national anthem played at the U.S. Olympic track and fields trial. Berry on Wednesday responded to a tweet demanding her to respect the flag and the national anthem. The Olympian hammer thrower said that her goal is just to compete and bring home the gold for the U.S. The point is to compete, which I will be doing. She fired back. Her demonstrations have led to calls from conservative voices uh, to uh, for her to step aside. Representative Dan Crenshaw, a Republican from Texas, and Senator Tom Cotton, Republican senator, um, uh, have uh, have been among the loudest voices. Barry has received support from many on social media, including Olympic legend. Michael Johnson. Barry made the Olympic team as a hammer thrower, an event that didn't exist when I was uh, at U of O. After finishing third last weekend at the trials behind Deanna Price and Brooke Anderson, two names you probably haven't even heard. She drew scrutiny after she turned her back during the national anthem. She then draped a shirt with the word activist athlete over her head as the the Star Spangled Banner played.
In other developments, an old Gwynberry photo of her holding the American flag has gone viral amid the anthem uproar. And a North Korean defector says U.S. Olympian Barry's flag protest is unthinkable. Well, the Trump Organization CFO Weiselberg pled not guilty to tax charges and the U.S. handed the the Bagram airfield to the Afghans after nearly 20 years. Tom Cotton says it's time to lower the boom on China and Facebook warns users they may have been exposed to harmful extremists. And of course, they're not referring to what you might consider harmful extremists. Facebook might actually be referring to you. Well, China's DD is to be added to the S&P Dow Jones indexes on uh, July the 12th. And Biden advances a Trump era ban on surprise medical bills. The Johnson and Johnson COVID-19 vaccine shows promising early signs of protecting against the Delta variant. And Arizona begins to switch to a flat income tax. Raytheon gets two billion dollar U.S. Air Force contract for a nuclear cruise missile. Two billion dollars. Well, the Supreme Court of the United States has entered the summer recess with uncertainty over whether another bench vacancy is imminent. In other news, Attorney General Merrick Garland speaks about a jury's verdict in the case against a former Minneapolis police officer, Derek Chauvin, in the death of George Floyd at the Department of Justice in Washington. Attorney General Merrick Garland suspended scheduling of federal executions on Thursday, pending further review of the lethal injection protocol by which a single drug is administered to recipients. In a directive to senior officials, he said new considerations have been introduced into the debate about capital punishment, such as the fact that minorities account for disproportionate numbers of death penalty sentences and the troubling number of exonerations, referring to cases when the conviction for a crime is reversed. The Department of Justice must ensure that everyone in the federal criminal justice system is not only afforded the rights guaranteed by the Constitution and the laws of the United States, but is also treated fairly and humanely, he said. Well, after nearly a two-decade pause in federal executions, Attorney General William Barr resumed the death penalty in 2019 under the Trump administration, citing the need to carry out the sentences the justice system prescribed for the most serious offenders. Uh, Gar... Excuse me, Garland ordered the Bureau of Prisons to stop using the lethal injection method while it undergoes a review. He also noted that the Department of Justice would reexamine a Trump era rule that permitted federal prisons to conduct executions in the manner directed by the states. Well, the U.S. added 850,000 new jobs in June, beating economists' expectations by 150,000 jobs. The Labor Department announced on Friday. Meanwhile, the unemployment rate saw a slight increase to 5.9 percent from 5.8 percent. Tell you more about that in just a few moments. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Coming up in our next two segments, we'll take a look at the lighter side of the news and in the five o'clock hour, the Christian Outlook. Well, Liz Cheney is joining Democrats on the January 6th Select Committee. They're defying uh, Senator McCarthy's threat and simply preposterous. Well, that's what they're saying about the media. They fell in line with the White House uh, and their claim that Republicans want to defund the police. The calculus is no one was really paying attention at the time. This was the big news story. Well, the U.S. added 850,000 jobs in June versus 706,000, as was estimated. And Boy Scouts of America has offered to compensate sexual abuse uh, victims in an historic $850 million bankruptcy settlement. Governor Gavin Newsom's recall vote 
well, that's set for September 14. And California homicides jumped 31 percent last year. A judge has ordered Minneapolis to hire more police officers, and 40 percent of San Francisco residents plan to leave due to their quality of life, or rather lack of quality. Other notables, the U.S. has handed Bagram Airfield to Afghans. J.D. Vance has joined an already chaotic Ohio Senate primary, and a new poll shows how Trump surged with women and Hispanics. Well, on this day in history, 1881, President James A. Garfield is shot by Charles Guteau at Washington Railroad Station. Gar- uh, Garfield would die the following September. Guteau would be, hand- uh, would be hanged rather in June of 1882. Ni- or rather, 1890, Congress passes the Sherman Antitrust Act. 1892, the Populist Party, also known as the People's Party, opens its first national convention in Omaha, Nebraska. On this day in history, 1917, rioting erupts in East St. Louis in Illinois as white mobs attack black residents. Nearly 50 people, most of them black, are believed to have died in that violence. 1937, aviator Amelia Earhart and navigator Fred Noonan uh, disappear over the Pacific Ocean while attempting to make the first round-the-world flight along the equator. On this day in history, 1964, President Lyndon Baines Johnson signs into law a sweeping civil rights bill passed by Congress. 1976, the U.S. Supreme Court in Gregg versus Georgia rules seven to seven to two. Rather, the death penalty is not inherently cruel or unusual. 1979, the Susan B. Anthony dollar coin is issued, the first circulating coin to feature a woman. And finally, on this day in history, 2018, rescue divers in Thailand find 12 boys and their soccer coach who had been trapped by flooding as they explored a cave over a week earlier. That was quite a story at the time. Well, President Biden grew irked on Friday while repeated press questions about the Afghanistan troop withdrawal or drawdown, saying that he didn't want to answer any more on the topic because, well, it was a holiday weekend. Just imagine if Donald Trump had made such a statement. Well, following remarks on a positive June jobs report, the president took multiple questions about the situation in Afghanistan, where the country faces a possible fall to the Taliban as U.S. forces are withdrawn. After receiving questions on the nation's security issues and the withdrawal timeline, the president said he wanted to talk about happy things. I'm not going to answer any more. Look, it's the 4th of July. Well, actually, it's the 2nd of July, but of July, uh, the president said after a fourth query about Afghanistan, I'm concerned that you guys are asking me questions that I'll answer next week. But this is a holiday weekend. I'm going to celebrate it. There's uh, great things happening. Now, uh, James and I were aware of the fact that the holiday started today. We probably wouldn't have done the show and joined the president in vacationing. Well, the president rattled off economic data as he sought to head off further pressing uh, on the um, uh, one of the, the chief foreign policy decisions of his presidency. I'll answer all your negative questions, not negative, your legitimate questions, he said, correcting himself. The last U.S. troops are soon set to leave Bagram Airfield near Kabul, Afghanistan, leaving the Afghan military to contend with the Taliban. He wasn't done um, being exasperated with the uh, press on Friday, laughing derisively at a question about whether he was confident Congress would pass his agenda. Come on, guys, he said. Look, folks, this is a process. I love you guys, but it's a process, end quote. Well, Biden's uh, sniping at press uh, questions he doesn't uh, like to answer 
is nothing new. He apologized last month after ripping a CNN reporter's question about his summit with Russian President Vladimir Putin, telling her she was in the wrong business. Wow. On the campaign trail, he repeatedly lashed out at the rare reporters who brought up investigations into his son, Hunter. And Biden did have time on Friday to host the World Series champion Los Angeles Dodgers, who are in town for a four-game set with the Washington Nationals. He was rather cheerful during that time. Well, the Supreme Court has declined, uh, declined rather, to hear a case of the flower shop owner sued for not serving a gay wedding. The uh, Supreme Court on Friday declined to hear the uh, the case involving Baronella Stutzman. Um, the state Supreme Court ruled that discriminating against a gay man for refusing to provide flowers for a wedding due to religious beliefs uh, was not going to be heard by the court. The case has been moved through Washington state courts for years and at one point was booted back down to lower courts by the Supreme Court after its decision in Masterpiece Cake Shop. Well, the case in which the Supreme Court ruled in 2018 in favor of a Colorado baker who refused to bake a wedding cake for a gay couple. But the Washington Supreme Court still ruled against the florist, Baronelle Stutzman, and she appealed yet again to the Supreme Court. Friday, the justices declined to hear the case, meaning that the florist is now subject to significant financial punishment from the state for her alleged discrimination. Although the outcome of this case is tragic, the critical work of protecting the First Amendment freedoms of all Americans must continue. Kristen Wagoner, general counsel for the Alliance Defending Freedom, who represented Stutzman, said in a statement. Thankfully, other courts have recognized that the Constitution does not allow this. She continued, the Arizona Supreme Court and the Eighth Circuit have ruled that the government cannot force creative professionals to create artistic expression that violates their religious beliefs. We are confident that the Supreme Court will eventually join those courts in affirming the constitutionally protected freedom to create uh, professionally. Well, Stutzman's case uh, was called Arlene's Florals uh, Inc. Uh, versus Washington. I serve everyone in all walks of life, Baronel said, and I had the privilege of serving Rob lifetime customer, longtime customers for almost 10 years. That's one of the uh, couple requesting the wedding cake for birthdays and anniversaries, uh, anniversaries, custom making arrangements for him, Stutzman said in a 2019 interview uh, with Fox and Friends, referencing Robert Ingersoll, the gay man who asked her to create floral arrangements for his wedding. But when he came in to talk about uh, his wedding, I just simply put my hands on him and uh, on uh, his, her hands, on his hands rather, and told him I could not do it because my relationship with Jesus Christ. Without any complaint, Rob or his partner, uh, the Attorney General of Washington, sued me personally and corporately simply because I have a different worldview on marriage. Well, the American Civil Liberties Union and Ingersoll each said that the case sent a positive message against discrimination. After Kirk and I were um, turned away from our local floral shop, we canceled the plans for our dream wedding because we were afraid it wouldn't happen again, Ingersoll said. We hope this decision sends a message to other people that no one should have ex uh, have to experience the hurt that we did. Again, the Supreme Court declining that case. The court did on Friday agree to take up a case on a tuition assistance program in Maine that bars the use of state money for religious schools, setting up yet another battle in the high court on the intersection of religious freedom and school choice. The case, Carson versus Macon, stems from a Maine program uh, that provides tuition for Maine residents to attend private high schools if their local district does not have a public school. It comes in the wake of the uh, Supreme Court case that ruled the government can't ban government aid in a generally available program uh, for from going to religious schools. 
The previous case, Espinoza versus Montana, was considered a major win for religious liberty advocates, but the main program includes different language that, if upheld, could effectively neuter Espinoza. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Quick break. When we return, we'll share a bit of the lighter side of the news. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Just a reminder, in the second hour, we'll share with you the Christian outlook. And on Monday, which is the national holiday, although the 4th of July is on Sunday, we're going to share a 4th of July special, I Love America. That'll be in the second hour of the Georgine Rice Show. Well, joining me for this uh, next couple of segments, these next two segments, is James Blend, the producer of this program. Heidi Ho James. How are you on this final Friday of fun from home? That's right. You and I will be returning to the studio, KPDQ studio, next Friday. I'm pretty excited. I've been in a little bit this week, kind of starting to set things up, and uh, it's you know it's it's nice to be back. Yeah, it will be. That's next Friday, broadcasting live in real time Indeed. from the uh, broadcast studios of KPDQ. Well, I wanted to uh, let you know that Americans rank their favorite regional hot dogs because, well, National Hot Dog Month. Yes, it is. Well, as Americans celebrate with fireworks, okay. No fireworks this year. Parades, not sure how many of those there'll be. Stars and Stripes this weekend. There's a very good chance they'll also be celebrating with hot dogs. The National Hot Dog and Sausage Council. Did you know we had one? The National Hot Dog and Sausage Council. They recently showcased uh, on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon um, the estimate that Americans will eat 150 million hot dogs on the 4th of July alone. The single biggest hot dog consumption day of the year. What better way to kick off National Hot Dog Month than to enjoy one of America's most iconic foods? Now, are you a hot dog fan, James? I do like a good hot dog. I'm not like one of those people that downs a bunch of them or has to have them every weekend, but um, I, I, I'm very particular with mine. They have to be a certain type of mustard. I don't put anything else on my hot dog. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I do like a good hot dog, especially in the summertime. I can't uh, conscience a... Um, Ketchup on a hot dog. I mean, people put all kinds of stuff, but ketchup is just, I don't know, it seems, I I would just question your status as an American citizen with ketchup on your hot dog. Anyway, here's what the uh, the survey said. While Independence Day might be the right time to eat a hot dog, a new survey commissioned by the National Hot Dog and Sausage Council, they would know, and the North American Meat Institute, a contractor to the beef checkoff, Uh, They show that nearly 9 in 10 Americans believe there is no wrong time to eat a hot dog. No, there is a wrong way to eat it, but not a wrong time. And from coast to coast, there's more than uh, one way to eat a hot dog. The survey also showed that New York-style all-beef hot dog topped with uh, steamed onions and a pale deli-style yellow mustard is the most popular regional style, followed closely by Chicago-style all-beef hot dog layered with yellow mustard, dark green relish, chopped raw onions, pickle spears, Sports, or rather sport peppers, tomato slices topped with a dash of celery salt and served in a poppy seed bun. Okay, that's a bit much. The third most popular regional style was the Michigan Coney. Um, That's a meaty chili sauce on top of all beef hot dog with mustard and onion. Now, um, none of those really appeal to me. How about you, James? Well, it, uh, the uh, of course they mentioned the New York dog with the with the pale the pale deli mustard and onions. I take the onions away, and that's at, you know the all beef hot dog. That's 
that's basically what I do, and that's because you know, let's face it, that's where I grew up. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't, I don't like onions on it, but I do. It's got to be that deli mustard. Um, it's got to be, um, it's got to be an all beef. Uh, I want to know what's in it. Um, so you know, it's all beef or or nothing, and uh, yeah, a good uh, a good Nathan's dog. Uh, you know, from the old the old uh, town there. That's usually what what'll make me happiest. Yeah, I just like mustard and relish on a hot dog. Uh, when I was in, I think it was Miss Riggs' uh, class, fourth or fifth grade, I can't remember which now, I ate a hot dog for lunch, and that afternoon I was sick. I don't know if there's a corollary between the two, but I've always associated hot dogs with being sick. So for many, many years, decades, I would say, I didn't eat hot dogs at all. They were only reintroduced for me in the last few years, and I absolutely love a hot dog. I think I've sort of forgotten um, the, the link between being sick in the fourth or fifth grade and having hot dog for lunch. So I'm enjoying them once again, but I just like the plain old mustard. And, and I just use regular yellow mustard. I've not tried it with the deli. I'll maybe try that out. But uh, and a little bit of relish in that. That's about it. Love that's me a hot dog. Yeah, it's, you know, the, the only thing I would say is if you, you have that in your past, with having an illness, which may or may not be associated with hot dogs, yeah, I would not watch the uh, Nathan's hot dog eating contest this weekend. If I oh, I you. wouldn't watch that anyway. That's just I don't, uh, I don't, I can't. Yeah. I would never is eat not a hot dog again. <laughs> yeah, it's just not entertaining. Well, potatoes tend to be a dieting no-no for people, laying off the starchy foods and carbohydrates. Uh, in that same light, French fries often fall into the junk food category as eaters cover them in ketchup and salt. Now, a new study finds this popular vegetable may be getting a bum rap. Researchers from Purdue University say eating more potatoes can actually help keep blood pressure under control better than taking certain supplements. I'm liking this. Now, there are other downsides, I suppose, if you're looking at blood sugar. But the key to the potato's nutritional goodness comes from potassium. Uh, study authors explain that increasing dietary potassium from foods like um, baked and boiled potatoes uh, help to reduce sodium retention in, eating consume, uh, uh, in eaters consuming a typical American diet. Eating more potatoes also results in a greater drop in systolic blood pressure than taking potassium supplements, according to the study. Uh, the research conducted by scientists at Purdue University was funded by the Alliance for Potato Research and Education. Certainly, they're not biased in the outcome. Well, in an experiment involving 30 pre-hypertensive or uh, to hypertensive men and women, researchers also discovered that French fries aren't necessarily bad for the heart. In fact, their study shows having a 330 calorie serving of baked um, French fries, baked French fries, along with a normal diet, had no effect on the participants' blood pressure. And while significant emphasis is often placed on reducing dietary sodium intakes to better control your blood pressure and cardiovascular disease risk, that's only half the story. That's uh, the preliminary investigator Connie Weaver, a PhD in a media release, said potassium plays just um, as an important role and perhaps the ratio of potassium to sodium is mo uh, most important in the context of the entire food matrix as the potato meal resulted in the greater reduction of sodium retention than the potassium supplement alone. Now, of course, if you're having French fries, you got to have them smothered in salt. But potatoes are already a major part of uh, Americans' uh, diet. And apparently there's no need to hold the French fries if they're baked. And, of course, the sodium you put on them, the salt on them makes a difference as well. So, I don't know, I'm feeling a little bit better about 
potatoes in general, although I probably won't change how much or how little I eat of them. Are you a potato fan, James? Again, I don't eat them as much as I as I probably used to, and, and um, I like them, but they just get old really fast. Not in the sense of you can't eat them after a while because they've gone bad, but the uh, it's just there's only so many preparations before you go, and you've developed your favorites. It's like, uh, not more French fries. Oh, James, I James, know. James, I, I love potatoes i would just eat potatoes if that uh, that was an option i love them fried i love them baked i love them mashed i love them scalloped i love them julienne however you fix a potato i'm all about it but of course um as a middle-aged person uh, who has some health challenges i just dream about the potatoes i once enjoyed and have them every once in a blue moon but not as often as i'd like i have taken to borrowing french fries you know somebody orders fries and I'll eat two of them, and that seems to be satisfying enough. But... And you give them back when you're done? <laughs> well, no. But uh, I So I is it really enjoy... borrowing, Georgine? No, I misspoke. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that seems to satisfy me, though. There was nothing worse before when I would uh, withhold um, French fries from my diet for a period of time. And then you pull into McDonald's, and you think, I haven't had – potatoes, french fries, or anything like it for, you know, a matter of weeks or maybe even months. You pull in, you order fries, and you drive away, and they're cold. There's nothing worse than a badly prepared potato, especially oh, if that I fry. agree with. Oh, my goodness, and, oh, yes. I'll tell oh. you, there have been more disappointments when I've, you know, had a lot of space between um, french fry enjoying, well, times when I've enjoyed french fries, I'll put it that way. Uh, anyway, don't give me a limp, cold french fry because it just, it's not good. No. No, I, I agree. There, no, 100%. We're going to take a break, but we'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. James Blend is joining me as we're taking a look at some of the lighter side of the news, keeping in mind that this is National Hot Dog Month. Chances are you'll be enjoying some of them over this holiday weekend. Well, an alligator paid a visit to a church in Florida where it was greeted by parishioners and the pastor offered it a business card. (laughs) Well, the good news is it was a church. It was open. The pastor was there and there were parishioners as well. Now, this is Florida, so they've been open for a while. We're going to, in fact, uh, tackle the subject of returning to church next week. We're looking forward to conversations with a couple of local pastors. So, Kind of a timely, um, lighter side of the new study, but a story rather. But photos and video captured at Victory Church in Lehigh Acres show the small alligator wandering the grounds of the house of worship, approaching the door at one point, probably enjoyed the worship music. Daniel Gregory, who's the church's pastor, took video while he approached the reptile and offered it a business card. We have services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Sunday mornings, he says in the video. Want to check us out? Well, Gregory, the pastor, said he was the um, unusual uh saw an unusual visit as an opportunity to have some fun. He came to our church. I don't know what his spiritual condition is. He told local media, I need to invite this gator back. Well, the pastor said the gator wandered away to a storm drain when he attempted to baptize the thing. The Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission said others should not attempt to get as close to the alligator as the pastor did in the video. Uh, We certainly encourage the viewing aspect of it, but we never want you to approach a wild animal like that. It can be very dangerous. Uh, There's no reason um, to take a chance, of course, unless you're a pastor trying to assess the spiritual condition of the creature. 
Um, again, we're going to be taking that subject up next week of whether or not people are actually going to return to church. So that'll be a more serious look at the uh, the subject. But apparently in Florida, people are, are going to church. And so are alligators. So I guess if the people decide not to come back, we got somebody coming. Yeah, we'll see. Well, morning commuters in New Zealand um, – had a, had to avoid an unusual traffic hazard when a wandering seal made its way onto the road. The South Police District said officers were summoned to Portobello Road to, in the Cove area of Dunedin shortly after 8 a.m. on Thursday on a report of a small seal crossing the road. Now, the question, of course, why did the seal cross the road? Well, a, piece, a police spokesperson said officers arrived to find the seal had taken up position in the bicycle lane at the side of the road. It attracted a crowd of onlookers and witnesses helped direct the cyclists around the animal that was in their path. A video filmed at the scene shows the animal appears to be New Zealand fur seal, Although police were unable to confirm the species, the New Zealand Department of Conservation says seals tend to leave their uh, breeding colonies around this time of year to go exploring. The department recommends that anyone who encounters a seal keep a safe distance from the animal. Again, um, uh, the Department of um, Conservation takes a hands-off approach to seals. They're capable and resilient, and given time and space, they usually find their way back home, according to the department. So stay away if you happen to be uh, near one. Speaking of staying away, police in North Carolina said a highly venomous zebra cobra was on the loose in Raleigh, where safety, uh, where it was safely captured in the same neighborhood where it was first spotted. Well, the zebra cobra, which is really quite intimidating, is an African species of snake known for spitting its potent venom. I was first reported uh, when a resident spotted the serpent. On their porch, but the reptile was gone by the time authorities arrived on the scene. Well, the police department there confirmed the snake was captured in the same neighborhood uh, later that evening by animal control and law enforcement. The snake belongs to uh, Christopher Gifford, a neighborhood resident who shows off his collection of exotic reptiles on social media platforms, including TikTok. Gifford was hospitalized in April after he received a bite from one of his West African green mamba snakes. That would do it for me. Well, North Carolina allows for private ownership of venomous snakes, but has strict rules requiring the animals to be kept in escape-proof enclosures. They exist, people. Well, owners are also required to notify authorities if an animal does not, or rather does manage to escape. It wasn't clear whether police considered any laws to have been broken in this case of the escaped zebra cobra, particularly since no one was hurt. It wasn't known whether the snake would be returned to Mr. Gifford. Wow. In a 1970 Beetle Bailey comic strip, the character known as Sarge berates his uniform-wearing dog, Otto, for a paperwork mistake. Well, think, Otto, think, the Sarge says. We can't all be Snoopy, a dejected Otto replies. Well, a lot of folks don't have any recollection of or knowledge of Beetle Bailey, but very popular comic strip. Strip, rather. This um, confluence of two iconic comic strip dogs is on exhibit along with dozens of other images at the world's largest cartoon museum as part of a new presentation of the history of canines in the world of cartooning. Now, I can put up with dogs in cartoons. The dogs show two centuries of canine cartoons at Ohio State University's Billy Ireland Cartoon Library and Museum is running through October. The genesis for the exhibit came when the late Brad Anderson, the creator of Marmaduke, donated his collection in 2018, including 16,000 original Marmaduke cartoons from 1954 to 2010. 
other original art, business correspondence, fan mail, and books. That began a conversation about plumbing the depths of the museum's extensive collection of dog-related images, according to the museum coordinator. There were so many uh, comic strips and magazine cartoons and comic books and so many different examples that have dogs in them. It seemed like, well, a no-brainer to bring everything together in one theme that so many people can relate to and love. Well, there are plenty of uh, scene-stealing cats in cartoons, including Jim Davis's Garfield and the stuffed tiger that uh, comes to life with Bill Watterson's uh, Calvin and Hobbes, but dogs' personalities make them the perfect fit for the comic strip form, the exhibitor said. Now, were you ever um, a dog owner or were you a friend of dogs, James? Uh, my parents had dogs when I was old, uh, you know, ah. a little bit older, um, but uh, we've, you know, we like dogs but don't have any. Yeah. I'm perfectly happy that way. Yeah, I am as well. I'm trying to befriend my niece and her family. They have uh, just uh, purchased a dog. It's been about a year now. Cutest thing ever. Little, very young, very rambunctious, jumps up and down and, you know, kind of do those, uh, does those little bites. Uh, but I'm really struggling with uh, that kind of uh, energy that the dog has. But I'm determined I will befriend this dog. I've petted it a few times. I've touched it a few times just, you know, when he wasn't looking, but I'm not quite ready to hold it or anything like that just yet. I'll let you know when that uh, when that day arrives. Yeah, keep it'll us up be to a, date. This is, it'll be this quite is, an occasion. That's what I'm saying. I'm 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 intrigued. <laughs> yeah. Well, an aquarium in Florida shared video of an octopus getting in touch with his artistic side by using its tentacles to create a painting. The Florida Aquarium in Tampa posted a video to Facebook showing the octopus creating a painting on a plastic-wrapped canvas with the assistance of a human keeper. The aquarium said the uh, enrichment painting session was planned to coincide with the facility's um, week-long event. Uh, The facility invited Facebook users to share their favorite octopus facts to be entered in a drawing to win the painting. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure I want to display a painting from an octopus, but, you know, everyone to his own. Well, a woman has been charged for feeding rats that exacerbated the rodent issue in her neighborhood. This is in Cranston, Rhode Island. She was charged with allegedly violating a Rhode Island city ordinance against feeding wild animals. The 55-year-old neighbor blames her for exacerbating the rodent problem in Cranston. Last week, the publication captured several nocturnal rats active in the middle of the day. Neighbors say that it's even worse during the night. The woman and her parents, uh, who own the home, pled not guilty. Outside the courthouse, she told reporters that she's being charged for feeding foul um, birds and ducks. Uh, Who would have known just loving animals gets you that much trouble? Well, Anthony Moretti, who's the director of the administration for the mayor, said he saw more than 20 rats in a carport at the woman's home. He said it will um, take months to get the problem under control. The city plans to send an extermination company to her home. Now, it may be that she was innocently trying to feed birds and ducks, which attracted the rats, uh, inadvertently creating the problem. But nonetheless, she's been charged with a crime. So be careful who and what you're feeding and how. I guess that's the moral to that story. Well, James, we're just about out of time in this first hour. We've got news and traffic at the top of the hour. And then, of course, we're going to share the Christian outlook in the second hour. And I do want to mention that on Monday, we're going to share a, a July 4th special I love America, although it's the day after Independence Day. We're going to 
uh, share it. And I think you'll enjoy that as well. So I hope you'll uh, you'll tune in. News and traffic up next. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ.